Well, we're, as we announced to you, we're taking a little break from faithfulness just for a week. And we are dealing with some things that, since we have the children in the service here today, we're dealing with some things that uh, they see on a regular basis, that you see on a regular basis, and how we are to deal with it as, a, as Christians. How we are to, how it should change our view. How many of y'all know that the evil seems to be all around us? We are pressured to accept lifestyles as normal, yet the Word of God calls evil. Our children are being taught and pressured to think and do what we see is wrong. And are even brought to practice it. So what are we to do as Christians? How should we respond? And can we still protect our children in our God-fearing ways? In the way that this society is. We've heard a lot of buzz terms that have been thrown around. And before we get in, let me, give, let me read you a verse of Scripture. I want you to get this verse of Scripture down so much that I put it in your, bullet, in your outline and on your bulletin. Look at the cover of your bulletin. The cover of your bulletin reads this way. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. I want you to, I'm going to give you the answer at the beginning. You don't have to wait to the end. The answer to any question, what should we do? What's the answer? Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Any question along those lines, this is going to be the answer. That's a good answer, isn't it? Isn't that a hopeful answer? That's a nice positive answer. How many have ever heard terms like this that are being thrown around now? And these kind of terms, these political terms, they don't really get my attention a whole lot until I meditate on them for a while and see them in the Word. And so these have been going around and I've been hearing some things that our kids have been facing. So I was meditating around and all of a sudden, some things I saw in the Word I saw completely different. I said, oh man, I, I never saw that there. How many have ever heard the, the part of the deep state? Yes. Shadow governments. And a bunch of other things that are, that are going on like this. You know, and I've heard, the, you know, conspiracy theories. I'm not here to teach you conspiracy theories. It's, um, it's something completely different from that. But all of a sudden, I was meditating on some things in Scripture. And this is nothing new. Do you know these things are thousands of years old? And if they are thousands of years old, where do you think they came from? Is there anything from the kingdom of Satan that we as Christians should fear? No. There isn't. We have to keep that in mind. I want to call your attention, and there are so many places I could go to in the Word of God for this. I narrowed it down to two and mentioning two others. But it was hard. It was a little bit difficult to, to keep this down. But we're going to go over to a story in Second Chronicles, the entire story is 22, 23, and 24. I am not reading the whole story to you. But it's there if you want to go back and read some more of it, you can. I'm going to give you a little bit of the setting for this particular story. This is the story of King Joash. How many know King Joash? Let me put it to how many do not know who King Joash is? He goes by two different names. If you go to the book of Kings, he is called a slightly different name. But we're going to call him King Joash. I'm not going to confuse you and give you anything else. He's going to be king 
King Joash. Now, King Joash is a king of the southern tribes. The kings of the north are all bad. The kings of the south had some good. Had a lot of bad, but some good. Joash is one of those ones who is, eh. He starts out really good and ends really bad. That's how he goes. I mean, he starts out really good. And he ends really bad. But this is, the, this is who this guy is. He is one of the sons of David. He came into power during the height of a conspiracy. How many know there's some conspiracies in the Word of God? I'm just going to run this through you real briefly. But you all know King Jehoshaphat? King Jehoshaphat entered into a covenant agreement with the king in the north who was a condemned cursed king, King Ahab. And God said, do not have anything to do with him. And he decided to marry his, his uh, one of his sons to one of her, her daughters. And so joined the two houses. And what you in effect did was you took a house that had the eternal blessing on it and the house that had an eternal curse on it. And you put God into position, which one's going to win? That was King Jehoshaphat. As good of a king as he was, that's the position he put God in. Along the line, we have this, this queen who came to power to rule because one of the kings had died. And when he died, she decided to put to death all of the king's sons. Now, these are relatives of hers. And she killed them all so that she could take the, the throne. It was not the way of the Jewish people to have a queen rule. Their way was to have a king. I'm not telling you that it was the right way or the wrong way. I'm just telling you this is the way that they were set up. They were supposed to be set up that God ruled the land. They rejected that and they went the way of kings. But this is the way they're set up. The kings were to rule the land. Well, this queen mother decided, no, I'm going to rule. And so she killed all the sons so that she could have the right to rule. Now, that would be a problem because Messiah is to be born of whom? The house of David. Now, David still has a lot more sons out there beside these ones that are kings, but this is the line of the kings. And if you go back to the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, you will see that in the uh, genealogies that they trace Mary's line all the way back to David and then they trace Joseph's line all the way back to David. So no matter which way you go, Jesus goes all the way back to King David. And that's why those genealogies are in there. That's what the, the importance of all that is. So she kills them all, but apparently she does not have a very good relationship with them all because she doesn't realize she missed one. <laughs> so what happened was there was a priest by, in that day. This is all in chapter 22. I'm not reading from chapter 22. I'm just telling it to you. Boom, go on back and read it. If any of this is new to you, read it from the Word. It's much better to hear it from the Word. But Jehoiada, he is the priest. He had a wife whose name was Jehoshabeth. And so she steals this one's son from being killed. Just an infant, just a, just a young, young one. And so she steals him and puts him away and tells her husband about it and they hide him. Now, you've got a queen that has usurped the throne, has killed sons. What do you think they're going to do to you if they find out you preserve one of them? You are dead. They put their life on the line to save this guy, not just because they love of, of, of Joash, but because their love of God, their love of the country, and their love to preserve the things how, they, how they're supposed to go. 
So they put their life on the line until he was seven years old. For all those years, they hid this guy. And then at seven years, Jehoiada enacted a plan. Now, we sang the song. Well, Brother Jolly was sharing that part about exposing the works of, of Satan. You know, that's what the Word of God does. I love it when the, when the Word of God exposes things. And this is what happens in here. And there are times, we sang the song about being still and knowing that God is God. And there are times for that. But folks, there are times you got to take action. Don't just sit on back there and say, well, I just let God do whatever He's going to do. No, God will sometimes tell you, go do that. And so here in this situation, they were told, go save this child. And they saved this child. They put their life on the line. Just like what was done with Moses. They put their life on the line. And they preserved this one. And so Jehoiada, he's a priest. Jehoiada, he puts this plan into operation and he gets people in the army and he gets people that he can trust all over the place and he sets this up so that we're going to come in and we are going to take him and put him into a place of rulership. And that's where we're going to read from here. In Second Chronicles 23 and verse 11, And they brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony and made him king. Then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, Long live the king. Now, when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was a king standing by his pillar at the entrance and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, also the singers with musical instruments and those who led in praise. So Athaliah, that's the queen, tore her clothes and said, treason, treason. The person who committed treason (laughs) is yelling about treason. Isn't that interesting? Now all the people are excited because they know this is not the way it's supposed to be run, but they think they have no choice because that's what they're being told. And then Jehoiada comes along and says, hey, this is a son of David. We saved him. And we're bringing him to power. And they were glad. Oh, over to God, the king of David. See, not only did that mean the king of David was coming, but that meant something about the, the messianic line. And that made them excited. So that's why they're glad here. Obviously, she had... Uh, not wanting them, any of them over, making them think she was all that great. And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds who were set over the army and said to them, take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So we want this woman dead, just not here. <laughs> so take her outside and uh, anybody who follows her, anybody who wants to be on her side, kill them. Now, that's a, that's a great way to weed out the deep state. Isn't it? Just kill them. So anybody who follows her, if they're all, you know, if they want to, want to preserve her and don't want to follow the new king, kill them. So they seized her. And she went by way of the entrance of the horse gate into the king's house and they killed her there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and the people and the king and that they should be the Lord's people. Verse 17. And all the people went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. That wasn't all that they did. In chapter 24, verse 1, Joash was seven years old when he became king and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. 40 years in Jerusalem. We think having a president for four years or eight years is a long time. 40 years he reigned in Jerusalem. Not all kings reigned that long. 
He's one of the longer ones. Not the longest. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. So the first act that we see that they did is go and they tear down the temple of Baal. Because people had stopped worshipping God and they were worshipping Baal, Asherah and different things of, of this nature. And so he, he went there and they attacked that and they tore that down. Now, how many have ever had roaches in your house? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, you know, just think about it. <laughs> if you've ever had roaches, I had lived in an apartment down in Tulsa when I was out there and uh, they had roaches. And uh, that was my closest experience with, with roaches was uh, down here in this apartment. And um, if you were to come into a room that was dark and you turn the light on, guess what happens? They start, they start scurrying. As soon as the light comes on, they're, 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 they go away. This is kind of what happens with the forces of the darkness. As soon as the light turns on, they scurry. And see, what happened was Joash came in and Jehoiada and they turned the light on. And all the forces of evil that were around, I'm going to prove this to you. I'm not just throwing out, I'm going to prove this to you. All the forces of evil hid. They don't stand up and stop the tearing down of the temple of Baal. If the temple of Baal had been worshipped for all this time, where's all the opposition to tearing it down? It's They don't have any opposition. As far as we can tell from reading the story, there's no opposition to tearing it down. They just tear it down. But there's something else that's going on here. The house of the Lord has fallen completely into disrepair. Baal and Asherah are getting a lot more attention. And so Joash sets, sets about... I'm going to show you something I did not see and so I was putting this together for this. Second Chronicles 24, verse 4. Now it happened after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. Why does he do that? Because his heart's for God. He is, he's coming into a love for God for seven years while he was being raised by Jehoiada. He was uh, being taught the things of God and he has a love for God. He wants to repair the house of the Lord. Then he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. I've read over that person of Scripture quite often and never really thought much about it. Why don't the Levites repair the temple quickly when this is their job? This is their livelihood. You would think if a king comes along who's going to repair the temple that you're supposed to work at, this is where your job is, that you would say, oh, glory to God, we got somebody who's going to repair this thing and fix it up, let's get it done. And they don't do it. I thought about that. Why, why don't they do it? Why is there no opposition to tearing down the, top tower, uh, the temple of Baal? but opposition to repair the temple. Now notice this doesn't come from Jehoiada. This comes from Joash. This is how renewed Joash got on this. He decided to do it. He's pushing for it and they're not getting the job done. He came out and said, how come you're all slow with this thing? Let's go. Let's get a move on it. I'll replace you. See, there were some forces going on here in Israel that are invisible. 
that are holding back the construction of the temple. But they did not stand in the way of tearing down Baal because they don't want to be exposed. I haven't proved that to you yet. I'm telling I'm going to. I'm going to show you it's true in the Word, not from anything else. It's going to be right that Bible you got in your hand or you're looking up, up on the screen. So things are going on. They eventually get the uh, repairs going. We'll skip by that. You can go back and read that on your own. Chapter 24, verse 15. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days and he died and he was 130 years old when he died. How many wanted to live to 130 years old? I do not. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king and the king listened to them. Therefore they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespasses. Where did these leaders come from? These leaders are in the government of Israel all this time. While all these reforms are going on, behind the scenes doing things to slow down the repair of the temple. Whatever it is that they did. And as soon as a light went out in Jehoiada, they come before the king and they bow down. We are in service to you, king. How about we change some things? Where do we leave off at? Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord and they testified against them, but they would not listen. Joash, whose heart was for God to the point of turning them around from worshiping idols, rebuilding the house of God, focusing them in that direction, turns from it because people in government suggested it. Prophets are sent and he doesn't listen. It gets worse. This will shock you if you've never read this before. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, He has also forsaken you. So they conspired against Him and at the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. In the court of the house of the Lord. Then Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. He did not say, Don't hold this against them, did he? <laughs> as others have said. He said, No, you remember what they did. So it happened in the spring of that year that the army of the Syria of Syria came up against him and they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men 
But the Lord delivered a very great army into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers, so they executed judgment against Joash. And when they had withdrawn from him, for they left him severely wounded, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed, so he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Now, just in reading this, you can see there's a whole lot more than we're not getting. I don't have all the answers to what went on here, but we do know that Syria came in with a small army and defeated a large army. And when they came in, they killed the leaders of Judah. And some of those leaders were some of these evil leaders. There were some servants of his that were not happy with how he handled Jehoiada. And when he was wounded, they killed him. Not saying that that was the right thing to do. I'm just telling you this is what happened. And this is what had gone on. But conspiracy was, was very strong in this particular time. And as much as Joash took Israel and put them into a, a good direction, he then steered them back into a bad. Now that's not the only place that you'll see these. Again, I told you, I had to pick and choose. I had so many where this is. If you'll go over to Daniel chapter 6, we're not going to read the whole story here. I'm sure most of the people know about the story if you have not read it recently. This, is, of course, is Daniel in the lion's den. We're not reading the lion's den part of the story. We're just going to read coming up to it here. I want you to see something. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three, three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now look at this, look at the wording here. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, this is the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, 120 satraps. That's what they call them. To be over the whole kingdom. And over these, Three governors. So if you break that down, I guess it's going to be, you know, divide the 120 by the, the three, you know, and you're looking at about 40, maybe 40 answers to each governor. Three governors, 120 satraps, of whom Daniel was one of the governors, and we know that his three buddies were also in this mix of leadership. That the satraps might give account to them. So the king would suffer no loss. And apparently he had been working really well. But Daniel showed himself to be more excellent than all of them. In verse 3. Then this Daniel. Distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now if you were one of the other governors and one of the other satraps. What are you thinking? We don't, we don't want this to happen. I want that position. This is what I want to do. Let's go on. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. Now, don't just read over that. When it says the governors and satraps, who's it talking about? Governors, two. Satraps, might be missing the, the three, at least missing the, I know the three are at least in the satraps if they're not one or, more, one or two of them are not in the governors. But I'm going to say they're in the satraps because it says governors plural, so it seems like there's two other governors in there. But they're in the, re- the rulership 
there, they are missing from this group. Because they would not go along with a plan along these lines. They're the ones, of course, with the, the image of gold. We will not bow down to your image of gold. You remember that story. Chapter 2 for that one. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Have you ever seen in a country people doing the mindlessly and long, drawn-out investigations to find some kind of fault to pull somebody out of power? Have you ever heard of anything like that? That would go on for years and years and millions of dollars would be spent to find some fault, to find a way to get somebody out of position. Have you ever heard of something so outlandish? And here it is in the Word of God that they did it. They went over everything they could. What legally can we do to get Daniel out of his position? What has he said what has he done? What can we exploit? But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Now, most of us would think, oh, we have got a great leader here. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you withstand two, three, four years of investigation and they say, we can't find anything wrong with you? They could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now look at this. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, of the administrators and the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consoled, consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree and whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Who made this up? Look at the wording of the, of the scriptures again. Look at the wording these men used. i read it for you again. Verse 7. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators... And satraps, the counselors and advisors, have counseled together to establish a royal statute. Who did? Are all the governors in on this? Are all the satraps in on this? But how do they pass it off? Have you ever heard people say, all the experts agree? <laughs> have you ever heard that said before? All the economists... Be- Believe, then they'll say what it's, what it's gonna be, then you should just go along with it because all the economists believe. All the weather people believe that global warming is happening? No, they don't. But if you don't believe it, you get blacklisted. And pressure comes upon you to, um, to do some things. Don't let me forget, I got a, a something to show you here at the end about the power of God that'll blow you out of the water. Right along those lines. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which it does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. The, re- the written decree again is 
Whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. What is the purpose? What is the benefit to the kingdom for this decree? There is no benefit to the kingdom, is there? Nobody will benefit from this except for them. But they have totally concealed that. The purpose of this law has one objective. To get Daniel. And we don't care who it hurts on the way. We don't care what it does on the way. We don't even care who else is petitioning any other God. All we care about is this one. That is it. We're not even watching anyone else. We're watching Daniel. And if you keep on going in the chapter, you'll find out Daniel doesn't change anything he does. Opens the windows, looks towards Jerusalem, prays three times a day just like he always did. He gets hauled before the king. And the king is sad because now he sees that these guys were out to get Daniel and he didn't see the, the scheme. He didn't see the plot. And he signed. And I can't do anything, Daniel. So he gets thrown into the lion's den and Daniel doesn't say, I, I plead. I, oh, please don't have this happen. Oh, this wasn't right. I challenged. He doesn't do anything. He says, that's fine. <laughs> throw me in. So they throw him in. <laughs> He's okay with it. He says, I know what I was doing. And he goes in the lion's den. And of course you all know, the lions didn't eat him. And I've showed you, if you've been here in the end times class, I've showed you, it may be on that very night that he got the greatest vision that he ever received. One of the greatest visions we have on the end times came in this exact year. And it may have been that very night. Because the way Daniel goes about this, it seems like he knows a test is at foot. And he says, I'm going to pass it. And he just goes. He says, you can't hurt me. Even if you kill me, you can't hurt me. He just goes along. But you see, they they passed a law that had no benefit for king or country, only the people that were losing power. The spoken intentions of Daniel's accusers covered their intended destruction of Daniel. That was their intention. That's what they wanted to do. You'll see this happening today, and not just today, in times in the past. People will state their objectives for a law when the objective that they state is not it at all. And it's real easy to tell. I'll go back to the global warming thing for, for just for a minute. How many have heard, you know, global warming, we've heard 60s, 10 years, or 20 years, I guess it was then, 70s, 20 more years, 80s, 20 more years, 90s, 20 more years. And, you know, pretty soon we're all going to die, and we keep passing the dates, and we keep living. And nothing keeps changing, you know. That's it. So we, we keep going with this. I heard somebody put it this way. And it, was, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. If, they, if their goal is really to help the environment, and the environment apparently is being helped because they're not dying, why don't they take credit? Why don't they simply say, you know what, the things we have done, it's not enough, but it's working, and we got to keep on doing it. How come they never say anything has worked? Why do they always just point to what's not working and what's going to be doom and destruction? It's simple. The, the stated objective is not the objective. We want to accomplish things along the way. While we say we get to this objective. 
How many have ever heard, you know, we ought to pass more gun laws if we just save one child? Have you ever heard people say that? If we just save one child. You would pass a gun law to save one child when, of course, if you had somebody with a gun in a school who knew how to use it, you could probably save a lot of kids because they would be somebody that would protect you. But regardless of that, it's all for, for one child. How many children do people in government push for to be killed by taxpayer money on abortions? How many hundreds or thousands per day, per, per week? for the children? How can we allow illegal people to come over children who are not screened and put into schools and now diseases that have not shown up for decades are popping up in our schools? Is that for the children? You see, the stated objective is not the objective. It's what we can accomplish along the way. How many have seen all those things? We need to get minority unemployment down. And that's the goal. How many years, how many decades have presidents been working on getting minority unemployment down? We finally accomplished it. We have minority unemployment down to the lowest it has ever been. And who's happy about it? You see, because the objective is not the end result. The end result desired is what we can do along the way. Now, I'm, I'm showing you all this for, for a reason. You're going to see something. I want, you to, I want to change your overall picture of how things are, are happening, how things are going on. I wrote this down in my outline. I want to make sure I, I, I gave it to you. If the results were truly desired, then when they are achieved, they would be glad, no matter who achieved them. But the stated results are not the goal of the people of this motivation. Not saying all the people who desire this goal. I'm saying all the people with this motivation. Understand that. There are some people who desire a goal of any of those things that I stated. And that's actually what they desire. But there are people who have a different motivation and state that as their goal, but it's not. It is what they can accomplish along the way to a stated goal that they never reach. You see, most of these people have this motivation, have stated a goal, and they never reach it. How long has the war on poverty been going on? How many billions or trillions of dollars have been put into the war on poverty, and we are no different? But along the way, a whole lot has been done to damage other things and to hurt other things. Because the objective is never the goal. Well, state the goal. This is what we're going to go for. No, we're not. This is just a smokescreen. This is just what we're telling you so we can accomplish these things. Now, I'm going to give you a couple other situations. I'm just going to throw, throw these out to you. Gideon. How many remember Gideon? Do you remember when Gideon was told by God, go over there and tear down that, that idol? Remember he was told that? Who was he afraid of? Now, before while you're thinking about that, Think on this. During the time of Judges, who was king? There was no king. The Word of God says every man did what was right in his own eyes. How many times did the Word of God say that in the book of Judges? There is no king in the land. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And then God would raise up a judge to deliver him from whatever it was that was there. But he was afraid of some people. So apparently, you could do what was right in your own eyes unless it was against 
an idol. Have you ever seen that attitude before? You can do whatever is right in your own eyes unless it is for the kingdom of God. Hmm. So who were these people that were the leaders that he was afraid of? Some time ago, this is years ago, and I'm not even going to try and touch this because it took a little while to, de- to develop this and show this to you. But during Jesus' day, there was so much political stuff going on during Jesus' day. But I'm just going to highlight this one thing. How many have ever heard in the Word of God the high priest Caiaphas? Yeah. Do you know that most of the time that Jesus was, was uh, ministering, he was not the high priest? He was removed because of... Uh, Conduct unbecoming, let's call it that. Corruption. <laughs> Things that a high priest should not have been doing, this man was doing. And they finally got tired of it and removed him. But he and his family were so entrenched in power that he put a relative of his up in the high priest's p- p- place so that he was the figurative high priest. But many times in the word of God, it will call Caiaphas the high priest even though he didn't sit in the office. Not going to spend any time on that. Just there's a whole lot of places where what seems to be going on in the in the rulership is not quite what's what's going on all the way around. Do you remember Josiah? Josiah led one of the great revivals in the Word of God. What happened after all those years of revival and purging the land of all the idolatry? Worshiping God, some of the biggest feasts they had to God, biggest worship service they had to God. And as soon as he leaves, he dies and he goes, what happens to Israel? They go right back. Decades of supposedly worshiping God. Decades are gone in days and weeks. How is that possible? Now, I'm going to share this stuff with you. This is not here to get you in fear. Remember, what is our answer for everything here? Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. We just mentioned that verse. We haven't even got into that verse yet. We just mentioned it. You see, you will have plenty of contention as you stand for the Word of God and walk in His ways. You're going to have plenty of contention. But don't be afraid of it. I think one of the most picturesque scenes, something I like the, the most, in fact, on my Facebook uh, feed, I have uh, one of those things I like. Um, uh, the, the beach is my favorite place or something like that, one of those kind of things. And every once in a while, I just get a beach scene. How many like a beach scene? I love beach scenes. Whether it's a sunset over a beach or... Nice high afternoon sun, or the waves coming in, whatever it might be. Um, and and Daryl, get my pictures ready for me if you if you would. But we just love the beach. But we look out there. Now, sometimes I look out in the beach scene. I think, oh, beautiful! I just want to go out in the water and enjoy the waves. But not everybody thinks that way. Show me our, our picture, because sometimes, <laughs> see, there's there's something in the water. 
And there's not just one. There's a couple of them out there. And um, the very thought that these guys are out there. How many of you, that keeps you out of the water? I am not going in the water because that's there. Oh, man. Now, most of us have seen a shark. We've gone to an aquarium. We've seen a shark. And uh, we've seen pictures of shark. We've seen YouTube videos of sharks. How many have actually been at the beach and seen a shark? Got one. One. One person. One person here. Brother Keith, will you go in the water? There you go. Doesn't keep him out of the water. You see, just because we're showing you that there's an underlying current, and we're going to show you its motivation, just because this is here doesn't mean you ought to stay out of the water. I know sharks are real. It doesn't keep me out of the water. I go in the water. I enjoy myself in the water. My granddaughter likes to go in the water. She enjoys herself in the water. We both go out. We enjoy ourselves in the water. Her dad, he comes out in the water. Not her mom. Yeah, don't, don't wade where sharks will not, will not tread. You got to stay out of that. But turn over to First John. That's John's epistle that he wrote, chapter 2. John is the same one who wrote the book of Revelation. Little children, it is the last hour. Now as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Now Antichrist should never cause anyone to be afraid. He is a weak little man. He has nothing compared to God. And just, we're not going to run through all the end times stuff that we do, but you know, we've gone through the number of times the end times teaching and let you all know the United States president, no matter who he is or how evil you might think he is, cannot be the Antichrist. A ruler of Europe cannot be the Antichrist. It is impossible for the Antichrist to come from South Africa, South America. The Antichrist is not coming from Russia. It's real easy to find out where the Antichrist comes. You know the Word of God actually tells you where the Antichrist comes from? I don't know why there's so much speculation. The Word of God calls him an Assyrian. Uses that terminology. The forerunner, which the Word of God clearly says this is the forerunner. He is not it, but he is a type. Is Antiochus Epiphanes. How many of that is a new name to you? You've never heard that before. Antiochus Epiphanes. He is the forerunner. He did almost everything that Antichrist is said to have done. Almost, but not quite. He missed it on a couple of spots. You know where Antiochus Epiphanes came from? The area of Assyria. In fact, Israel willingly put themselves under Antiochus Epiphanes' line. They were originally under Ptolemy, if you remember the breakup of the four great kingdoms. Anyway, that's where he's coming from. He's coming from the old area of the Assyrian Empire. And I could prove it to you so many times over Scripture, that's where he's coming from. But we're not gonna, we're not gonna spend time with that. If any of you have interest in that, uh, be happy to help you out with it later on. But, uh, just understand, no matter what president we get, whether it's this one, or we get another one, or some deplorable person that, uh, we just think, man, this is just Satan reincarnated. It is not the Antichrist. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be looking at names and trying to add up things and trying to figure out stuff. 
you do not have to figure out who the Antichrist is. In fact, folks, it, he will be so obvious to the church that we must be removed before he can be brought out. So, um, rest easy. Because a whole lot of things are being taught about Antichrist trying to get you in fear and get you to do certain things. Just don't, God doesn't want you to do anything ever in fear. Don't ever do that. You do it from the point of knowledge and understanding. He says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. The spirit of Antichrist comes against the things of God. Comes against the things of Christ. It is a spirit that is against Christ. It's where it comes up, Antichrist. They are against the things of God. They are against the things of Jesus. So they will come against anything that is Jesus-related. Why do you think there is so much opposition to anything of the gospel, but you could be in a Muslim area and do some horrible things to women and to people and to uh, even homosexuality? They kill homosexuals. The Muslims kill them. That's how they treat it. But they don't get any opposition. But if a Christian doesn't want to bake a birthday cake or a wedding cake or take pictures... They're, they're treated as worse than anything. How is that right? It's simple. The spirit of Antichrist comes against Christ. They don't have Christ in them. It doesn't come against them. You have Christ in you. It's going to come against you. Don't worry about it. Christ is bigger. And you want to be on His side. Not against it. First John chapter 4, verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Well, it was already in the world when John was there. How many know it's still here? You are of God, little children. Have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How many all like that verse? That verse is given in the context of the Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist. Don't be afraid of it. It is going to come and try and crush everything that promotes Jesus, that promotes Christ. He says, you've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. God moves in truth, correction, and compassion. That's how God moves. He states truth, He corrects where correction is needed, and He has compassion on those who need compassion. Satan moves in deception, accusation, and judgment. That's how He moves. Don't ever move by the characteristics of Satan. Don't go around judging, accusing, falling into deception. Stay with God. Truth, correction, compassion. Those that are gods move in the ways of love. Those that have Satan in the ways of hate. 
don't, don't, don't follow any other ways. All right, let me read this to you. This spirit of Antichrist produces promises of what people want. You can write this down if you want to. I just have any room to put it there. This spirit of Antichrist produces promises of what people want while delivering only what evil desires, all covered by their great intentions. We have people that go around and they promote, we are out to, to get rid of racial strife and all they do is stir it up. You see? Their motivation is wrong. The spirit of Antichrist produces promises of what people want while delivering only what evil desires. And continually they keep saying, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're working towards. Help us get there. Help us get there. And all the while they're leaving destruction in their, in their wake. But people don't see the destruction because they hear the goal. The Spirit goes after powers that be so as to give protection to teachings that won't hold up under scrutiny. This spirit goes after powers that be to give protections to teachings that won't hold up under any scrutiny. This is what they do. How many of y'all know this, all this stuff about trans, transsexual stuff that's going on? I mean, it's absolutely nuts. How long did women work to get scholarships on an equal level with men? Because all the men were getting all the sports scholarships and the women weren't getting them. And how long did they work to get that equalized? to try and get more women's scholarships. Now what happens is a boy just has to say, I feel like I'm a girl, take a couple of pills and jump on the girls' track team. Beat everybody and now they get the scholarship that was intended for the girl and it went to the guy. Now how are people not up in arms? How does that not upset people? I don't, I don't understand it. See, opposition must become illegal or at least unwelcome and unnatural. If we can get opposition to be illegal, unwelcome, and unnatural, then it can gain traction. And that's the thing. If you can get the... the if you can get that viewpoint to gain traction. Now, I'm going to tell you some things that might shock you a little bit. But y'all remember back in the 60s and the waking it was going on there. I'm not going to spend too much time on all this was happening. But you know, our country went in quite a shift in the 60s. And then we saw the music shift. We saw things being said and done in music. And this began to change people. And the, the drug culture began to come on. And people did things with drugs that no one ever thought that they would have, have done. And the music continued to go on and people actually turned music into worship of Satan. And concerts had worship of Satan going on in the concerts. This would go on. I was not there, but I heard people who, who had been there and told me about them. And then pretty soon, we saw that the homosexual lifestyle was brought up. And where once it was, it was once uh, cast out, now they were offered protection. And you... You couldn't speak against anything in that area. And pretty soon, that whole lifestyle gained ground. Well, that wasn't sufficient enough. And now we've got we to gotta challenge marriage. Is marriage truly between a man and a woman? 
And so then that came into question. And now it's pretty much accepted that uh, a man can marry a man, a woman can marry a woman. And then don't, don't count this wrong because it's already, it's already starting. I've already seen it. Some people want to marry their cats. I don't know why. I don't even try and get my head around that. I just know this is, this is going on. And so what we once saw, that, that would never happen in this country. Now it's not only accepted, we're now moving on to other things. One of the next things is probably going to come around in the, if we continue to go in the way we're going is that pityophilia will be normal. Can you believe that a society would allow that to become normal? You see, because what you have to do is you have to have the powers that be be able to make whatever teaching that you want pushed out, make it illegal, unnatural, uncomfortable. How many of you feel, don't raise your hand, how many of you feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about marriage, transsexuality, homosexual at, at workplaces or the different places. That you're, how many can feel just that, well, I'm not sure how they're going to take this. We just can sometimes feel a little uncomfortable. You see, that's all we need. If we get you to feel a little bit uncomfortable, then you won't say it. And the lie can begin to take root because the lie cannot stand up against the light. So what has to happen is the sources of the light have to be put out. But if a source of light comes up, guess what happens to the roaches? They scatter, they hide until we can get that light put out. And they have ways of trying to get that light being put out. And once they get that light put out, then they can come back. They're all still there. They just hid themselves. Now again, what's the answer? Give thanks to the Lord. Let's just take a look at that first one. First one. Give thanks to the Lord. Don't go around the Lord and say, Oh God, it's so bad down here. Oh, it's terrible. I don't want to be here. Oh, just, just kill them all. You're not following that scripture. The scripture says, Give thanks to the Lord. Follow Daniel's example. Law gets passed is against you. They made a law against you. What does he do? Glory to God. <laughs> Man, we are making some waves in this kingdom. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord. What's the second one? Call upon his name. Don't you become ashamed of the fact that you're a Christian. People are going to try and get you to be ashamed. I worship God. You don't. What kind of nutcase are you? Don't you be put out. I worship God. That's, what's the third one? That's right, folks. You see, the enemy wants to make known the deeds of the evil one. You make known the deeds of God. Declare His goodness among the people. Declare His greatness don't shy away from it. 
Who was it who was in the elevator and somebody started cussing God and they started, Glory to God! Hallelujah! <laughs> is that Jesse? If you're going to cuss him, I'm going to praise him. I get equal time. <laughs> now see, that's bold. That'll, that'll put somebody, uh, make them a little bit uncomfortable. But you see, the reason the spirit of Antichrist attacks powers that be is because you can legislate or you can make uncomfortable what you don't want. Now, on Wednesday night, there's a, there's a little bit of a similar line. If you want to go back and, and get that, it's not up on the podcast yet, but you can catch it on the uh, on the Facebook thing. I, I, I gave this to you, a, a different differentiation between the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. This is not in your outline. If you want to write it in there, you can or just listen. The spirit of Christ contends with the content of the message to expose the inward character of the messenger. The Spirit of Christ contends with the content of the message to expose the inward character of the messenger. When Jesus confronted the Pharisees, whose whose authority did John do these things? And they conferred to themselves and they said, if we say of men, we fear the people. And if we say of God, he'll say, why didn't you believe him? So they came and they said, we don't know. You see, if you confront the message, you will expose them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus constantly confronted their message. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? See, he exposes their, their he exposes them. And that's what you want to do. That's the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ will contend truth to false. Light to darkness. That's its battleground. If you want to do battle with the things of God, you do battle on the area of truth. You do battle in the area of light. Don't move over in the area of darkness. You stay in the area of light. You stay in the area of truth. Know God's truth and declare it. And speak it. Alright, here's the other one. The spirit of Antichrist contends with the character of the messenger to call on the question the message. They cannot contend with the message so they thereby try and call into question their character because if I can call into question their character you will question their message. And so all the time in the newspapers all the times when you see people being vetted for different positions in government they come against if they don't like their message they come against their character. If you throw enough up there, something might stick. This is not a new technique. They did it to Jesus. They had false accusers come. They did it to Stephen. They had false accusers come. They did it in the Old Testament. They would have false accusers come. Throw stuff up there. Call into question their character and people will shun their message. That's the spirit of Antichrist. You do not have to ever wonder, is something of Christ or something of Satan. You don't ever have to wonder. It's it's easy. It is so easy. I don't I don't know how you can get it confused. If something is coming against the character of a person and not their message, it is of Satan. Because even when the character of a person was in question, Jesus doesn't contend with it goes to the truth. Do you remember when the woman was brought to him? 
caught in adultery. He does not contend with an obvious character issue. Where are your accusers? They've gone. I do not accuse you either. Go and sin no more. That's the way of Christ. The way of Christ, folks, is going to lead you into a place of compassion for people. You don't hate someone who's a transsexual. You don't hate someone who's a homosexual. You don't hate someone who is whatever it is, whatever label is is on that is, is not good. You don't hate them. You are moved with compassion because you realize they have been given a false source. They've been given false truth and they've accepted it. And your goal is to get in there and to expose the false truth, but to love the person because the compassion of God is to love those people. Satan wants to destroy them. It is so easy to tell the difference between the two. I, I, a lot of times when I, when I see somebody appear on TV or read some, it only takes me a paragraph or a little bit of hearing them. Oh, I know what they're of. I can hear it. I can hear it so quickly. It's like, well, I know where they're coming from. I don't need to mess with that anymore. But you see, sometimes people that are of the wrong source are doing what we want. I don't care if someone is doing what you want. If they are of the wrong source, it is not for the right reason. Don't get on their team. You stay on the team, Jesus. Don't go anyplace else. Well, I put this in your outline. Don't give in to fear or bow to pressure. Don't do it. You don't have to speak all the truth you know, but you do have to speak what God has told you. If God gives you words to speak in a situation, speak them. If He hasn't given you words to speak, shut up. I may know truth, but that doesn't mean I have to tell you what it is. Does Jesus tell all the truth to all the people? No. He is very clear about that. You do not have to tell people truth who don't want to hear it. If they're just going to take it and exploit it, Jesus even said, don't cast their pearls before swine. Don't give someone something valuable who won't treat it as such. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Because he didn't want them hearing the truth. Because they wouldn't deal with it right. Let me show you something about the power of God. This is what I was alluding to. This is from Dr. Roy Spencer, who's an expert in the in uh, weather and so forth. How many of you know the nuclear bombs? How many of you know what our most modern nuclear bomb is? It's called the B-83. Now you can go home and say, I learned something today. This is the most modern nuclear bomb in our arsenal, the B-83. It has an energy yield of 1.2 megatons of TNT. 1.2 megatons of TNT. That is our most powerful nuclear bomb. The average hurricane, I am not saying Cat 5, I'm talking average. Average hurricane that comes along. Releases an effective 1.2 megatons of TNT, the same amount as that bomb. Are you ready for this? Every 10 seconds. 
10 seconds. How long does a hurricane typically last? It's a long time. Those are not my stats. That's a, a doctor who studies these things. Dr. Roy Spencer. You can look him up. Every 10 seconds, a hurricane expends as much energy as our most powerful nuclear bomb. And it does it for days, weeks. And then another one comes up. And a hurricane is no match for our God. So what do you think man can do to God? Can't do anything. I was amazed when I, when I heard that, that stat. Ten seconds. A hurricane puts average. I wonder what a Cat 5 does. Just an average one. That's amazing. And they want to tell you that your puny SUV is causing an ice age. Can you see how void of truth all of that is? You have to take all common sense and put it aside to believe anything they want to tell you. I heard a very prominent couple who believed in global warming, who was very high up in our government, not going to mention their name, bought a piece of property that's beachfront. Apparently, they don't believe in global warming as much as they said. Because if they believed in global warming, why would you buy beachfront property? It's going to go away, right? Uh, you see, it's so easy to, to see where people, what their source is. But know this, nothing that God teaches you, nothing that God reveals to you will cause fear. Because if he shows you a plot that is against you, like he did with Daniel, he says, Daniel, just come on through. Man, wait, wait till you see what's on the other side. All right, let's go. <laughs> and he has no fear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the golden statue and stood up, faced the fiery furnace with no fear. You do not have to be afraid to face this world. We do not have to think that darkness is going to be so overwhelming that the truth cannot win. Darkness can never defeat light. Can never do it. You can have the darkest room, bring a little bit of light in, darkness goes. Cannot defeat it. Our children are going into schools where they're being put with people that are told, well, you might be a girl. I know you look like a boy, but you, you know you might be a girl. And they're confusing these people. There, we found that there's some teachers who pull some students aside and try to counsel them in the way of going in a, in a dark way and confuse them and, and cause all sorts of problems. But you are of the light. If your kids are in public school, stay on top of what that school is doing. We did with ours. In the times that they were in public school, we watched the books they read, we watched the assignments that they had. If I didn't like it, I called the school up. Now, my son was in the public school more than my, my, my daughter was. She was in the faith more. He decided he wanted to go to the North Penn High School for the swim team and some other things that were, were going on with our ROTC and so forth. So there were a number of times I had to call the school. My son will not re be reading this book. 
You're the parent. They are not. They will try and take your place. But you do not have to let them. You are of the light. Now, don't get into hate. Don't get into anger. You state the truth. And you stay with it. You don't have to, to fight, cause a ruckus. Don't stoop to their level. You see, what the enemy wants to try and get you to do is to leave the platform of the Spirit of Christ, which is declare the truth. Declare the truth. Walk in love. Have that compassion for the people that are around. Have God's compassion for the people that are lost. That's how we're supposed to be going. He wants to get you off that. He wants to get you to hate the people that are around. He wants you to despise and to judge the people that are around you. Don't fall into those ways. Because you see, just as Joash, he started off good, he was going in a good direction. He was taken down this road by people who were deceived, who were of the spirit of Antichrist. He was taken by them to the point that he would kill the very son of the man who saved his life. How astounding is that? Such a thing can happen. But don't let it. Don't focus on what is lurking below. But what is thriving above. There are forces that lurk below and they want you to think, oh, look at the sharks in the ocean. Don't focus on what is lurking below. Focus on what is thriving above. And that is our God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Would you all stand with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you are great. That your power is not just a little bit better than Satan's. He is not even in the same ballpark. Father, we do not go to his side. We stay on yours. It is easy for us to tell those that are of Him and those that are of you. But Father, I thank You. And we can recognize that. We will not be swayed by the stated good intentions, great objectives, but we will see what is being accomplished along the way. And Father, we will stand and resist those things that are not of You because we want to be filled with all the fullness of God. give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope in getting this, this is not, not a topic we take on all the time. But I just hope that it gives you a little more peace and at ease with what's going on around in the world. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised. Don't be depressed. This is nothing new. These kind of Shadow things going on in government have been going on for many years and in many other countries and in many other governments because this is how the evil one works. But thank God. Our God is stronger. 
And though the devil has plans, God has undone his plans so many times. And he will undo them again. The day will come when Christ will come for his church. We will be taken out. The tribulation will start. The seven-year time period will begin. At the end of which, Christ will come and set up his kingdom for which we'll be a part of. Thank God for that. But don't let anything that's going on in this world get you scared, have you in fear, cause you to shy back from the Word of God. Stand on what it says and know when you stand for your God, your God will stand for you. Amen. Brother Victor? Glory to God. It's always exciting to be together in church. Um, there are some things you can't hear outside the walls of the church, you know. Uh, that's why we are always happy to have you here. And for those that are joining us by way of the internet, always excited to have us back together like this, um, where we share together in the love of Christ, um, greet one another, encourage one another. And um, so excited to have you in church today. Amen. You know, a few things that pastor said, I just had to write them down. He said, a hurricane is no match to our God. Hallelujah. And then again, darkness can never, can never overcome the light. You know, those are, you know, statement of fact, definitive. It can never. And that is the God we have. You know, Jesus himself said in John chapter, um, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, um, I will read there from the Amplified Bible. It said, And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And he said, And violent men seize it by force as a precious price. You know, a share of heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intent exertion. So it's always been like that. But thanks be to Jesus, who always causes us to triumph. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. So um, we have a praise report here. Uh, brother, the, the Jacobs are thanking God for the, what the Lord did to them by around six, by this, this morning. Uh, you heard it during the, uh, the worship session. You know, they woke up this morning around 6.30, and they found a large tree, you know, has fallen very close, some inches away from their cars, and they give God the praise that um, nothing was damaged and everything was preserved. Hallelujah. And there's a scripture they want us to read together, you know, just to share from that testimony. Uh, Psalms chapter 91. I'll read verse 1 of it first. It said, uh, that is uh, amplified again. It said, He who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed. Under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. He said, whose power no foe can withstand. Hallelujah. Um, the new message said that you who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in El Shaddai's shadow. So while they were sleeping in the night in El Shaddai's shadow, God was taking care of them. Glory to God. And then verse 9 and 10 say, Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place, there shall no evil before you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tents. 
God is wonderful. You know, everything is just adding up together today. And we give God praise for that. Hallelujah. So have a good time today. Spend time to greet one or two persons before you leave the church. And have a great week today as you go in Jesus' name. Amen.